0: You are God. You are an awesome God. You sing that with us. Come on.
1: We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged but changed. Our desire here at Heartsease Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into his best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed. Jesus,
0: you are all for today, Master. Tonight I want to continue along the thoughts of what we have been giving for probably three or four Wednesday nights now, talking about knowing God. We began the journey by looking at Jericho and the fear that was in the city. The fear that they had of the people of God, but yet the people of God were afraid of the city. And we looked at how come the enemy knows more about our God than what we do. Remember that? Then we took one step further back and discovered that in order for us to have that same knowledge of God... We've got to know Him in an intimately, in an intimate way. It can't just be a casual relationship. And then we've dealt with knowing God even when we look at ourselves and say, how could God love someone like me? And then last week we talked about the fact of, you know what, we love God and we want to know God, but we don't want to spend time with Him. We just don't pray. And this week we're going to talk about the thought, and here's our thought for this week. I want to talk about... Believing in God, but not thinking that he is fair. Come on, how many people don't think that God's fair? Come on, in your life, how many times have you ever said, God, I just don't think you're fair? Come on, be honest. We're in the house of God. Come on, we've got some self-righteous people in the house. I don't think God is fair. You know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm just going to open it up right now. Trey's got a mic. How many would like to just interject something with just that thought, without me even sharing anything else, but just that thought of the struggles that we face in our life where sometimes I just don't think God's fair. Has anyone got anything they just want to interject right off the bat? Anyone? Come on, Abraham. Go try.
2: Being the fact that my mama died when I was 10 years old and... I really didn't have a family life too much. Okay. Yeah. So
0: we could, so Abraham can look at that and say, you know what, God, that, that wasn't fair. That wasn't fair in my life. Anyone else got anything they want to interject? David.
2: Uh, I spent uh, my early days growing up fast and got married at 17 and had five kids before I was 23. My wife had a lot to do with that. <laughs> but uh, um, my dad and I were not close For for well until I was uh, an adult and we we grew together I was traveling I would go and we would go to Bible studies together and we really got to know each other and love each other and respect each other and the year after all this really came to a head my dad was murdered in his home by a drug addict and uh, I had a had a warfare with God for two years. We all struggle,
0: you know, so many of us. Go ahead.
2: Um, when I was 19, I had my first baby, and I was going to school and everything, and I had her in a... Um, uh, a friend of mine was keeping her otherwise, and she was burned. The babysitter burned her, and I just didn't think that was fair, and it took a long time for me to get over that. Well, I've... I've over the years, I've found many reasons to, to, uh, to... to stay away from God and, and not believe uh, and, and probably one of the most traumatic was in 69 my my little brother was killed in Vietnam and uh, we, you know our family was a, was a was a hard worshiping family I was not saved don't get the, don't, don't get the impression that I was my mother was very religious and she saw to it that we went to church even as uh, uh, young adults uh, but then when when my brother got killed who, who I truly believe was a saved Christian uh, I, I, I just I, I found that so hard to to uh, live with that uh, I fought with God for years and years and and, and my mode of battle ended up being uh fifth of J and B Scotch but uh, it uh, it was rough it really was and and I really had a lot of resentments about that and I and I put them all on God I really did and uh, and that's just one of the many things that I. Uh, would uh, believe that God was not fair, just wasn't fair. Okay. Angela?
3: Um, I'm going to share something I just recently went through. Um, a couple years ago, I was involved in a situation with another individual where I endured a lot of drama, and it took a lot of prayer to get through it because I really wanted this person to be punished. And I ended up, uh, praying for God to change the heart of this person. And, um, this person was due to be in court a few months ago. And, uh, for some reason, they were not charged with some of the things they had done. And, uh... It started to bother me again. And I kept asking, you know, and wondering why the person wasn't punished. In my mind, I was going over it and over it. And uh, then I ran into somebody that told me they had run into this person at um, Abundant Life. And the person had started going to a church out in Central and was a regular member out there. And um, after I thought about it I really felt kind of bad because I had prayed for God to come in and change this person's life and I was still waiting on that punishment.
0: I don't think God is fair. It's quite a statement to make isn't it? I don't think God is fair and tonight If you've noticed every person in here, and not wrong, but it's almost like every person in here has almost badgered God and blamed God for things that have happened. You surely can.
2: You know, I could probably name 150, 200 things that's happened in my life. That I could look back on and say that God's not fair. My my father divorced my mother when I was fairly young. My brother went out in the ministry, and and I had to go out and get a job and work. Uh, and I had so many different instances, but every time I look at those things, I, I came down with rheumatic fever when I was in the army, and I was in the army hospital for three months. Every time I look at all those instances, God made that bad thing good, and I can't never honestly cannot say that God's never been fair with me because he, everything that's been. The devil has made bad. God has turned on good. All of my life, I just feel like I've been totally blessed in everything that I did. And I really can't look back and say, because those things that happened, if I look real good and look a long time, I can see how God's turned all that around.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's amazing your perspective. What they say, hindsight is twenty-twenty. That when you've come through things, you've seen things from the other side. It's completely different. Thanks, Trey. You know, I'm sure we've all said many times in our life, life is not fair. That's a popular saying, isn't it, today? That just life is not fair. We hear that a lot in our home with the kids. Well, that's just not fair. You know, we all say it. It's not just for kids. We all say it. And if we don't say it, we certainly think it. Come on now. Do I have a witness in the house? Okay. My uncle used to have a little card on the visor of his truck. And my my cousins hated it. Because every time they would say, oh, that's not fair or something, he'd pull the visor down. And on the little card it said, life's not fair but God is good. Life is not fair, but God is good. It's amazing though, those words, but God is good, sometimes are such a pill to swallow. Such a big pill to swallow. Why? To say that our hurt and our pain is for a reason just doesn't cut it sometimes. Come on, you've been around people and and you say to them, well, you know what, God's got a reason. How many knows that just doesn't cut it sometimes? When you are, the wound is fresh, come on, and you're really going through something and you're going through great suffering, you just don't want to hear that God has a reason for your suffering. do I have an amen in the hands. Come on, you've got to help me out tonight. I know in my 37 years of living, I've seen many examples firsthand that I would categorize in the not fair column. I remember in Georgia, when I used to come over and visit, there was a lady called Miss Alexis. She was one of the most spiritual women that I'd ever known in my life. She was a prayer warrior. She loved God. She prayed and was so faithful to the house of God. But she contracted cancer. She developed cancer in her body and suffered for many years and eventually died. And I remember as a young boy of her being about 10, 11 years of age, I looked at that situation and I heard other people talk and other people said these words, man, she would pray for other people and other people would get healed. But yet she herself died and didn't only die and suffer. And I remember looking at a situation like that and saying, why, that's just not fair. That's not fair. Jumping ahead to about four weeks ago, a young guy who I know very well, Mike, he lost his wife. His wife, I believe, is 27 years of age, left him with a little girl of three years of age. He's still struggling with the emotion of it all and anger and frustration against God. But you know what? It would be so easy and is so easy to look at a situation and say, not fair. That's just not fair. Not only for Mike, but I'm talking more about a little three-year-old girl that's left without a mother. That's not fair. So where is God in that kind of pain? Why would he allow that to happen to me? I believe tonight we're going to find the answers to these questions in God's word tonight, because if I want an answer, I want to go to God's word. Because that's the ultimate truth, and that's where I'm going to... We could talk all day, and we could come up with this opinion and that opinion about what's fair and what's not. But you know what? We need to look at God's Word tonight and see what God's Word says. It's amazing if we look through God's Word that we see many like situations. And when I say like situations, what I mean by that is we see situations that are not fair. Look at Job. We're not going to turn there tonight, but if you want to read it for yourself, begin to read the book of Job and start in the first chapter of the book of Job. Here's a great guy. that He's living for God. The Bible says that he was honorable. He's just minding his own business. He's taking care of his family. He's handling his affairs. He isn't doing anything that the Bible shows us. He's doing nothing wrong. But in stage left, enter stage left, comes Satan. You can read it for yourself. And after a conversation with God, Satan is given free latitude to attack Job. The only thing he cannot do is kill him. Take his life. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself the question, Why would God do that to Job? I mean, why would God do that? Obviously, Satan, you know, had an issue with God. Why couldn't they have handled it amongst themselves instead of throwing poor Job in the middle? I mean, poor guy, come on. Why would God do that to him? Now, if he was a sinner, that would be justified. Come on. We would all say, well, we can understand that. I mean, he deserved that. At least it would be a little bit more understandable if he was. But the Bible says he was a faithful man that feared God. Job didn't ask for it. He just got it. In one day, Job loses everything that he has. In one day, his life is completely turned upside down. He loses every cattle he has. He loses every sheep he has. He loses every camel he has. And all his children that he has were destroyed in one day. All taken with no reason to him. It's amazing, isn't it? Through the pains of what Job went through. The pain of losing a dad, the pain of losing a mother, the pain of having a daughter burn. Just the pains that we've all related to tonight of seeing what we wanted justice to be done, that we felt was injustice because they didn't suffer just like we suffered. But it's amazing, through that like pain, we always come to this process. Why? 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 Do we have any whys in the house? Come on. Do we have any whys in the house. Processing and saying, why? 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 And for most of our whys, the conclusion that we will draw is this God's not fair. Now we know that the hardships can be because of our doing. Come on, we can, through sin in our life, we can bring things upon our lives. The Bible is very clear with that. We understand that. We know that. Sometimes we can be a product of another person's sin. Come on, we can be brought up in a home that we have to face the consequences of the sin of what our parents are engaging in, and therefore it affects us. That's harder to deal with. But then there are times when there is no fault at all, but it just happens. And that's the hardest thing, isn't it, to deal with. I want us to stop for a second. I want us to focus or refocus tonight. I want to ask ourselves a question in the thought of, you know what, God's just not fair. Why did this happen? The questions, the why, the conclusions that we draw. I want us to stop and back up from that for a second and begin to focus and look at what happens or what is happening in my life as a result of concluding that God is not fair. You know what's happening? I'm beginning to question my faith. Come on now. I'm beginning to question my faith. And for many, if we don't watch, we can begin to lose our faith or let go of our faith in God. And can begin to doubt his ability to be able to keep us To be able to sustain us. Come on, why is never a good answer in your life? Come on, why doesn't produce goodness in your life? It begins to drive you further away from the source. It begins to make you accuse God of things that He's the only one that can help you through. How many of you would agree with me tonight that that's not a good thing when our faith is questioned? Come on, how many would agree with me tonight? Come on, help me out in this place. That would agree that it's not a good thing when our faith is questioned to the degree we withdraw it and we say, I don't believe in God anymore. You know what? I feel this so strong. As holy as we want to be, every one of us has found ourselves in that place. Come on, maybe you're in that place. I've got chills right now. Maybe you're in that place right now. We want to put on a holy thing, but you know what? We come to church saying God's not there. Why is this not happening? Why is this taking place? I serve God. I pay my tithes. I've done all this kind of thing. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. The reason I said that's not a good place to be is because of this. I didn't say was it fair. I said it's not a good place to be. Why? Because doubting God will never produce anything good in your life. Come on again, is there anyone in the house that knows what I'm talking about tonight? The pain wants to rock the very core of our faith, but never makes us trust God more. It never drives us to the feet of Jesus. But doubting Him, losing faith with Him, makes us angry. And bitter and resentful to God. You see, when we're going through pain, when we're going through those issues that again we've all expressed and there are so many more that we could have vocalized tonight, there are three main questions that we ask ourselves in the midst of pain. Are you ready for the three? Here they go. Number one, where is God? Is He even there? It's the first question we ask ourselves. Then the second question we ask ourselves is, if he is there, does he even care? So first we look at and saying, where is he? Is he there? And then if we can say, I guess he is there, then we say, well, does he care? But then the third question is this. If he is there, and if he does care, why doesn't he do anything about it why doesn't god step in and intervene in my life i want to quickly try to answer those questions tonight if i can first question is god there is god there Turn with me tonight to Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 and 6 says this, beginning in the latter part of verse 5. It says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Verse 6, because of his presence, what happens? That we can now boldly say or boldly proclaim, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do for me? If God is for me, who can be against me? So what does the Bible clearly tell us here? From the words of God himself, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So what does that mean? pain do? It makes us doubt his presence. What do we see here that God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Look at Psalms 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many knows it doesn't get much worse than the valley of the shadow of death? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because you are there with me. Me, Where are you? You're in the midst of the pain, you're in the valley of the shadow of death, but God, you are right there with me. What is David saying? Your presence is there with me. Remember on the road to Emmaus that two disciples had just witnessed Jesus being crucified. they just witnessed Jesus being crucified and now they're leaving Jerusalem because they're despondent. Their thoughts, their mindset, their conversation was, he's gone, he's left us. And we really thought that this was the real deal. We thought this was the Messiah. We thought this was the one. But he's gone. He's dead. But you see, he was the real deal and he is the real deal, but they just left a little bit too early. Come on. They left a little bit too early. But Jesus came to them. Jesus came to them. And he walked with them and he ministered to them. And listen to this. They didn't even know it was him. You see, at the time when we're going through the pain and we're doubting whether God is even there, the reality is He's right there, but we're allowing the pain to mask us from the fact that He's right there waiting to help us. He's right there ministering to us, giving comfort to us and strength to us. But yet, what's happened? We can't see Him because of our pain. The Bible says that they said we felt something. Did not our hearts Come on, that's what the Bible said. Didn't our hearts not leap within us? But yet because of their pain, they pushed the feeling aside because they were blinded by disappointment. Come on, you've got to hear this tonight. I believe this is a word, this is a rhema word from God for some people in this place tonight. I think sometimes in our lives, we can begin to associate more with the pain And the attention that we get through that, that we fail to see our Savior. Our present help, the Bible says, in our time of need. Why is that? We love to feel sorry for ourselves. And many of us perhaps have every reason in the world for doing so and feeling that way. But one thing I've discovered is this. Miss Emma, you may have reason to feel sorry for yourself. But you know what? Satan loves that. Satan loves you to stay in that place. Why? Because when you're in that place feeling sorry for yourself, let me tell you something, it's Satan that gets the glory and never God. Come on, God can't get the glory when you're doubting Him and you're questioning Him and you're mad at Him. God doesn't get glory in that. So question number two, does He even care? If He is there... And we realize that he is there, so you know what, now instead of questioning that, you need to accept that. That amidst the pain, amidst the storms, he's in the vessel with you. But why doesn't he care? He does. Come on, I said tonight he does. You see, what we've got to watch is that in those times, or in these times, perhaps you're going through it right now. That what happens is we fail to see from Scripture and personal experience the character of God. We fail to realize the character of God. In other words, we fail to remember who God really is. God cares for you. God cares all about you. We can't question that, but we've got to begin to know that. He knows our pains. He knows our hurts. Why? Because he experienced them for himself. He came to this earth as a man for that very reason. Why? Not only to redeem mankind, but to sympathize and to have compassion with us. That he can say words like Hebrews 4 verse 15. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, but yet Without sin. Matthew 9 verse 36. But when Jesus saw the multitude. What does the Bible says? He was moved with compassion for them. Why was he moved with compassion for them? Because he cares for you. He cares for me. Exodus 34 and verse 6 says these words, The Lord, the Lord God, He is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and in truth. The children of Israel are just messed up, screwed up real bad. And God's reply to them was, I still care about you. Come on, you've got to hear that tonight. We begin to doubt. God, do you really care about me? God's word says that he does. And that's enough for us. We've got to start believing that. That's what our relationship is with God, is faith. We can't always reason it out with our minds. But we need to accept his word in our hearts. You see, when God hurts, or rather when you hurt, God hurts. When you hurt, God hurts. And question number three. Well, why doesn't he do anything about it? Why doesn't he do anything about it? One thing I've discovered is this. God longs to comfort us in our pain. You see, our answer would be this. God, just take it. Take us out of it. But do we ever fully learn Do we ever fully perhaps get to the next level if we have to skip every test and every trial? Remember, we can say, God, I can't bear it. But God says, hey, you can bear it because I'm faithful. And I'm not going to put anything upon you that you cannot handle through me. I'll be your way of escape. You've got to realize that. Doesn't he do anything about it? Isaiah 49 and verse 13 says this, for the Lord has comforted his people and he will have mercy on his afflicted. But it's also very important to notice the first part of that verse of Isaiah 49 verse 13. It says, Sing, O heaven, be joyful, O earth, and break out into singing, O mountains. In other words, through the pain, we've still got to learn how to praise him. Come on now. We've still got to learn how to praise Him. Why? Because we see from God's Word that when we praise Him, it ushers in His presence. And when His presence shows up, it makes a difference. A difference takes place. Remember what it's like to be a kid? And you were on your own in a dark room. And you were afraid. You're afraid of the dark. But wasn't it amazing if your brother or sister or someone else came into that room with you? And now you had another presence with you. Someone else was there. It's still dark. Come on, it's still just as dark. But how many remembers it wasn't quite as dark anymore? Come on, it was still dark, but their presence made a difference. I love that. I love that. Why? Because we need to realize and just know today that despite it all, and we may say, God, take care and handle this. We just need to begin to rest in the fact that His presence is there and His presence can bring us comfort in the midst of our pain. You see, we're so quick to identify with the pain that we have to endure. But if we're going to identify with the pain, then we also need to identify or keep count of how many times our gracious Heavenly Father has come through for us and protected us. We're so good at saying he's not fair, but what about the fairness and the blessings of God? Come on, where's our focus so many times on the bad, the negative things? But you know what, as I was thinking about it, it's not only a focus on the things that we can see and recall. I believe the greatest miracles of our lives are things that we have never seen, but God protected us from and kept those things from ever happening in our life. Come on, God has brought us through undeniable things. Every one of us in here has a testimony. So we've got to watch that now how you see God, because of pain, we've got to watch, because of the pain and the suffering, you know what we see? Bad God. Bad God, unfair God, not fair. You've got to come to a conclusion tonight and there's this. He's either good or he's not. He's either fair or he's not. He's either able or he's not. You may say, Pastor, why say that? Because he's not like us. I said, God's not like us. You see, the problem we have today is we have such a misconception with God because we make God be like we are. We make God think like we think. Or we make out that God thinks like we think. Here's us. Are you ready? This is who we are. One, one minute. We're the most caring, considerate, understanding, willing, And loving person. But the very next moment, we can be inconsiderate. We can not understand. We can be unwilling. And we can be totally unloving. Come on, anyone ever been there? One minute we can be this way. And the next minute we can be that way. You see, you've got to get the picture. God's not like us. How quickly we change who we are, but not God. God does not change who He is. God is not like that. In fact, He can't even be like that. Why? Because God is accountable to His Word. What does that mean? If His Word proclaims, I never change, I'm an unchanging God, that means God cannot change. So despite the circumstances and situations, our opinion of God changes, but His opinion of us never changes. Our ability or our thought of His ability in our life changes, but His ability is still the same. Why? Because He changes not. Do you see what happens when we begin to look and question and say, Why? God, you're unfair. We begin to see God in the wrong way. Instead of seeing Him as a caring, loving, compassionate, a God that wants to be there for us, we say, Bad God, bad God. Cruel, unfair. Unfair. Why is that? Because my pain. Because your pain distorts the truth. God never changes. He's the same God, the same loving, caring, compassionate one. But that's the problem, you see. We allow our pain to consume us. We can't see around it. We can't see through it. It blinds us from seeing the truth, really, of who He is. His provision that is still available. His caring, His compassion, His love, His mercy, His grace. Remember we talked about that God is love? Love is not what God does. Love is who He is. So if love is who He is, why would He do all these things to make our lives miserable and inflict pain and look from heaven and go, ha ha, I've got you now? He wouldn't. And he doesn't. Listen to me, he doesn't. But it's amazing as Mr. Huss says, as we begin to look back at the blackness of the pain, after we've stepped out of it and we've seen victories or seen healings or seen deliverance and we step out of the darkness of the pain, it's amazing that over and over and over and over again we realize the same thing. And that was this. God was there even when I didn't see Him. And we know that His presence is never passive. In other words, He was there to help us. He was the one that brought us through. In Genesis, we discover something about God's prescribed day, and that is this, the Bible says evening and morning were the first day. It wasn't morning and evening as we now Say is a day. So why is that important, Pastor? Because God's day does not end in darkness. God's day ends in hope. A ray of light. But what will pain do? Pain will end your life before the day is finished. Before God has His way in your life. Psalms 103 verse 10 through 12 says these words. And here's the thought I want you to hear tonight as we get ready to close. Is it a question of whether God is not fair or whether if sin is not fair? Come on, we've all said, well, God's not fair. But the reality is, is it really a question of God's not fair or is it the fact that sin is not fair? I want to present to you tonight that God is not fair. You heard me right, Mr. Huss, I didn't make a mistake. God is not fair. You may say, what? I said that. God is not fair. And I'm glad. You may say, what do you mean, Pastor, I'm glad? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Read Psalms 103, verse 10 through 12. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. You know what that scripture is telling us there? That every one of us are guilty. Come on, we're all guilty as charged. But yet the Bible is saying that he has removed from us the guilty ones the transgression of sin. Therefore, if God was fair, we know that Romans 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is... Yeah. Therefore, if God was fair, Daryl, He would have to punish every one of us accordingly. So is God fair? No, He's not. Because if He was, not one of us would be alive today because we would be judged for the guilt and the sin Of our lives. Are you here with me? Why? Because we're all guilty. Guilty as charged. My God, we all deserve it. We deserve a lost eternity. A damnation. Because of our sins. Tonight, God is not fair. And I thank Him for that. But listen to me. But He's just. He's just. He's just. He sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins. Now we don't get what we deserve. But because he is just, he now gives us grace and he gives us mercy. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us another chance. If we want a fair God, we're over. We're history. But he's a just God that is merciful and kind and giving to every one of us. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. As a result of being a just God, the results of pain and suffering can now be different. Remember Job, we left him in a bad way, didn't we? We left him in the fact that in one day his whole world was turned upside down and he lost everything. But listen to me, that was not the end. God gave Job back more than he could ever have imagined in his life. Now that may happen to you and I, and I pray that it does. But also remember the confession or the prayer that Job prayed when he had lost everything he said these words yet will i trust him yet will i still praise him he said the lord giveth and the lord taketh away but my response is still going to be blessed i bless you lord isn't that incredible because you see when the pain comes the last thing we want to do is say bless you jesus but satan wants us to question to doubt But Job said, yet will I praise him before his reward came. Listen to me, despite it all or in the midst of it all, Job said, I still choose God. I still choose God. He could have believed the lie and he had people who came to comfort him and his comforters caused him more pain. Have you ever had people like that around you? Just curse God and die. I mean, that's the last thing he needed to hear, wasn't it? Just curse God and die. Even his wife told him that. Just curse God and die. And it brought Job to a place where he cursed the day that he was ever born, but he never cursed God for giving him life. It's amazing, isn't it? Job, out of all people, could have said, God, are you even there? And if you are there, don't you care? And if you do care, why don't you do something about it? It's very interesting that when you read the book of Job, you think it goes on for years and years and years. You know, they tell us that the book of Job probably took a six-month period. We think it took years and years and years and years. Because how you read it, it looks like that way. But you know what? It wasn't as long as we perhaps think or are led to believe that Satan wants us to see. Listen to me today, life is not fair. But God is good and He is just. And when it comes to our sins, we better be thankful for that. We may not understand it all. We may not have all the answers. I don't have the answers. In fact, I've had to look at many people and say, I don't know why it happened as it happened. I don't have all the answers. But I do have the one answer that will help us through. And that is this. Hold on to God. Come on, hold on to God. Instead of questioning Him, start believing Him. Start trusting Him. I do have the answer. What is the answer? But God. But my God. God is going to come through. You may not see it today, and you may even still think that God's unfair, and you may even be mad at God. But my challenge to every one of you tonight is this keep trusting Him. But listen to me in order to trust Him, you've got to let go of the hurt. Come on, you've got to let go of the anger. You've got to let go of the frustrations. Oh, you can hold on to both of them all you want and you'll be in stalemate. You're going nowhere. Because all those things, all they are is an anchor. And you may think you're floating nice and pretty, but you're not going far because you are anchored down to that anger, that resentment, that frustration and that hurt. If you're going to completely trust God, you've got to let go of that. That's what Paul said, remember? Forgetting those things which are behind. What does he do? I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You've got to keep trusting Him. And as we trust Him, you will see His goodness in your life. If not today, one day soon. You see, here's the key of the whole message tonight, and that is this. When you and I come to a place where we truly know God, we will never question Him. We will never doubt Him. And our whole perspective will completely change. And as a result of our whole perspective of Him changing, it will place our lives into a new perspective that we will see things in a different way is God fair? no he's just is life not fair? true it sure isn't why? what? how? where? he's there he cares and his presence will make a difference If you just keep holding on, keep trusting him, keep thanking him and throw your hands in the air and say, thank God you're not fair because I know what I deserve. What's that saying? I've said so many times before, instead of complaining about what you haven't got, be thankful God hasn't given you what you deserve. No God. No God. No God. Would you stand with me?
1: we would like to thank you for listening to this message today we pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard but we also know it will be changed as you put god's word into effect at Heartsease family life church our doors are always open to help If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.